Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Two Under, Ben Hogan Golf, Golf Pride, Srixon and their Z-Star Golf Balls, and the Sandiston Resort. Now here is your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome back to Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I can't thank you enough for continuing to join me and making us a part of your golfing content. Tonight, I've got three fantastic instructors that I get to share with you. We're going to prepare you for how to play better golf out in the cold temperatures, right? Fall weather, winter weather, right around the corner. We're going to help you with your short game. We're going to help you with your putting. We're going to help explain where all that track man data means, right? So many numbers. What does all that stuff mean? When is it good? When is it bad? We're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm going to start with my very first guest tonight, which is going to be Eva Rogers. Eva is a teaching professional at Medina Country Club. She had a very successful college golf career at West Texas A&M. She's also taught at PGA National and at Lake Nona in Orlando, where several players from the PGA and LPGA tours live and play. We'll hear if she ran into a few of those maybe out on the practice tee. We'll also hear about what it's like teaching at a historic course like Medina, which is one of only two courses to host a U.S. Open, a PGA Championship, a Ryder Cup, a U.S. Senior Open, and the Western Open, which, oh, by the way, was considered a major once upon a time. Eva is also a great junior golf coach, so we'll talk about how she keeps her junior players engaged in the game. So very excited to have her with me tonight. She'll join me in just a few minutes. Following her, I'm going to get a return visit from Brian Jacobs. Brian is a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor. He's doing a great job up in Buffalo in the Rochester area. He's done some clinics around the country this year with Jason Day's swing coach, Colin Swatton, so we'll hear about that. Plus, like I mentioned at the top, we're going to talk about fall and winter golf and how to play better golf in the cold. Brian also uses TrackMan data, so we'll discuss how to decipher what all those numbers mean. So excited to have my good friend Brian Jacobs back on the show. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. And then we're going to round out the show with a return visit from our resident director of instruction and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor, Tom Patry. TP and I are going to talk about Tiger's 82nd win this past weekend. We'll look ahead to the President's Cup and, and if there's a reason that he shouldn't pick himself to be a playing captain. TP has also gone under the knife three times in the last couple of weeks to repair a knee issue, plus he's had some corrective eye surgery. So we'll hear if that's going to improve his game or make it worse now that he can see what he's actually doing. So excited to have Tom back with me. He'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and information coming your way on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. And you all know how much the Lawrence brothers, both Mitch and Matthew, mean to me and their great golf shows. Please make sure to tell all of your friends and continue to support both of them. Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at GolfTripX.com, and that's the letter X, so GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Mitch and his co-host Darren Bunch take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places you can go stay and play, and they also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you may not be aware of. So go online to GolfTripX.com to check out their show. And here is where I would typically tell you about Matthew's show, Backspin Golf, but Matthew is ruining my Sunday mornings now by going, on, going out on hiatus for God knows how long. 
Fortunately, his show is available as a podcast on their site, WLXG.com. That's WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. So if you missed any of his shows throughout the year, you can go online and stream any of those. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of great content there. And our good friend Perry French, also there on the first segment every week. So a lot of great equipment information and instruction as well. Again, the show is called Backspin Golf. And go online to WLXG.com and stream it as a podcast. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's take a listen to our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they've got up there and to book your stay as well. And well, folks, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers are a tremendous story. They both feature speed-injected twist face created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and like I tell you all the time, yes, every single head is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. So basically, every head is made to be tour spicy. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com. And folks, to play a ball with ultimate spin and stopping power, you need a physics-defying cover with molecular bonds that stretch but don't break, To play a ball that goes far and feels soft, you need a fast layer core with incredible feel and maximum distance. They're only in the new Z-Star and Z-Star XV golf balls, and they're only from Strixon. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their new fall collection out right now. You're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel Anel Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing it out on the Champions Tour. Check it out online by going to bobbyjones.com and enter the coupon code ONTHET to save 20% at checkout. All right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Eva Rogers. Let me give you some background on Eva. She's from Rockledge, Florida, which is over near Merritt Island and Cocoa Beach on the East Coast. She played her college golf at West Texas A&M, where in 2010, she finished ninth in the NCAA Division II West Regional. She also finished tied for 24th at the Lone Star Conference Championship, and she was named to the National Golf Coaches Association Division II All-American Scholar Team. She earned her MBA in Marketing Management. She spent time as an assistant golf professional at PGA National in West Palm Beach. She moved from there to being an assistant at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club just outside of Orlando. She's currently a Class A teaching professional at one of the most historic courses in the country, Medina Country Club, which is just a little northwest of Chicago. She is also a certified U.S. Kids Golf Coach, and I'm honored to have her with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Eva, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris, thank you for having me. Eva, I want to start by going back to your time at West Texas A&M. I'm curious, how does a girl from the central part of Florida end up playing her college golf at West Texas A&M and in the panhandle of Texas? <laughs> it was the coaches. It was the coach for sure. Um, I probably... That wouldn't have been my first choice, um, but the coach sold it for me. And the school curriculum, I love business, and they were getting their, you know, um, curriculum under Harvard. So I was like, okay, well, I know they're going to be strict, and they're really going to be innovative in their business education. And um, my coach won me over. So she was young. She was a, a great player herself, and you know, she was super enthusiastic, had just so much to offer. And I was like, you know what, this is going to be the perfect team for me. And Eva, like I mentioned in your intro, 
At the 2010 West Regional, you placed ninth after rounds of uh, 76, 80, 79. One stroke from qualifying for nationals, but still a heck of a tournament. Talk about what you remember about that event. It wasn't easy, but I, I realized that relationship building is going to be huge for me, um, especially being a female in a male-dominant industry. You know, being able to brand yourself and expose what you're capable of offering to a facility is going to be huge. That's the first time you meet somebody. And I always, you know, put my, I always initiated conversations. I would reach out to the pros and I would ask them, you know, if they're looking for hires. And I I feel like I would be an asset to your team. And, you know, from there, it's been able to build those relationships. And I've been able to prove myself at each facility. And from there, you know, then people start to reach out to me and they're wondering, you know, hey, are you interested? And, and now I kind of have that upper hand right now to continue to build. Um, so now knowing that people know my success record, my success track with what I've been doing on the instructional side is, is beneficial to clubs. It's just been an unbelievable experience. Eva, you mentioned the pros, and there are a lot of PGA and LPGA tour players that live in and around Lake Nona. I got to imagine you ran into one or two of them out on the practice range. Who did you regularly see out there? Um, I regularly saw Henrik, uh, Ian Poulter, Arnold Norquist, Graham McDowell, Gary Woodland when he was still there. I saw I. I saw them all. Um, you know, I, I never thought when when I grew up, Annika was, you know, the legend. And I always told myself, oh, my gosh, you know, maybe one day I'll meet her. Not knowing that I'd end up being a friend of hers and her being a mentor to where, you know, if I need guidance, she's there for me. And I'm teaching, you know, these these poor players' kids. And I'm building true relationships with them, you know, outside of them just being a sport player. they they've become my friends and that's, what's been, you know, really a a wonderful experience and situation for me. So that begs the question, what was it like sitting down with Annika Storingstam and getting to talk with her, pick her brain a little bit and understand all the things that she was able to achieve over the course of her career? (laughs) Well, we don't necessarily go that much into it. Basically when I created a new junior program at Lake Nona, I asked her, if she would sit down with me like once a week or, you know, once a month or something and kind of go over because she would kind of hang out and watch what's being done. And I would like for her to be a critic. I would love for her to give her feedback. So when we sat down, it was her giving her feedback to me, which I loved it because she was honest and she saw it and she knew that I could take her honesty because I was going to take her advice and run with it. And that's, that's really helped me throughout the years is accepting, you know, the, the critiques from individuals who are experts and who have experienced, you know, junior golf at such a young age and have taken it to that next level. To offer that advice to me, this has helped me become a better coach to so many of my students. 
So, Eva, what was it like trying to teach the children of great golfers? And, you know, as, as parents, we're not always good at sort of being hands-off in the uh, instructional area. We, we tend to look at things and go, oh, I don't like that. I, I don't like the way you're teaching that. I wouldn't do that. Here's what I think you should do. What was it like teaching those kids? It was not hard at all. Those parents dropped them off. They trusted me, and then they left and picked them up. Um, they saw the progress they were making. They saw that the kids were having fun and that they kept wanting to go back. Um, mind you that these kids, you know, they're, they live, they, everything is golf. But a lot of the tour players that I had mentioned, they get their kids involved in other sports. And that's what was so important is they weren't pushing golf. I mean, these kids know so much about it, but they weren't just pushing it on them. They weren't trying to make them the best. They wanted them to be the best in the sport that they were going to be, you know, that they enjoyed. So I never had a problem at all with anybody saying, oh, look, you know, this, this is how you should do it or this way, because times have changed. And, you know, I, I really made it fun for them to where they're willing to come back and practice. And we know that the more you go back and practice, the better you're going to be rather than just going once a week and getting an hour lesson in. If you co- go to a couple clinics a week and compete against these kids, it, it's, a, it's a full developmental phase. There are a couple of things there that I, I want to get into. So one of the things you talked about is the importance of playing multiple sports. And that's the thing that gets, I think is getting more and more lost is we have kids that focus on one sport and one sport only, you know, baseball's a big one, right? Kids get into playing baseball. They're into travel baseball. They live and breathe baseball. Talk about how utilizing skills versus in, in, uh, in multiple sports, why that's so important to helping them develop. Times have definitely changed from when I was a kid where we would go out and, you know, we didn't really have all these video games and these iPads and computer stuff going on. We would go out and play kickball, tennis in the streets, tag, all these activities. And and when we're kids, we start to build the hand-eye coordination, the balance, the speed, the power, the strength. And I think that's kind of missing now because more I've noticed more kids would rather go you know, be on their cell phone or be on their iPad than to go out and actually work or, or play outside. And so getting kids involved in other sports where it's more versatile, so they're getting, you know, like for soccer, for instance, a lot of the kids that I work with play soccer, and they love it. They're super fast. Their endurance and stamina is way more built up than the, the students that I work with who just play golf. Um, you could tell that their power is just, at another level, even being a kid, um, you know, I'm teaching kids that are young that may not be interested in other sports. I have to make sure that I'm still teaching the functionality, the development of, of a child's physical ability, um, hopping, jumping, skipping, sprinting, crawling. Um, you know, a lot of these kids, they, it, it's foreign to them. And so I'm trying to expose them to that. And I feel the more active they get, you know, they're going to want to kind of become more interested in other sports, hopefully. The other thing you mentioned is how you make it fun for them. How are you able to, with kids today, right, being into video games and their noses are deep in the phones, playing Xbox and PlayStation and all those sorts of things, how do you make the game fun for them and make them look forward to coming back and continuing to take lessons? I love to challenge my students. Um, I get on the same level as them. So my consequences 
are there consequences and vice versa? If, you know, I, I always love to participate with them. Um, I, I want my kids to be better than me. They're always like, oh, Eva, I wish, I wish I was just as good as you. And I always tell them, I, wish, I can't wait for you to be better than me. And that's important to motivate them knowing that they will become good players if they just keep working at it and wherever they want to take this sport. But I love to be creative. So, you know, during the summer program, the kids, I started working more on putting with them and they would admit it to me. They'll be like, oh, we didn't score well because of putting. Well, I was like, you know what? Not everything's going to be perfect out on the golf course, surface-wise. Golf balls are fine, but I'm going to challenge, you know, challenge them. And one thing that I did was I actually grabbed fruit. I grabbed apples. I grabbed oranges. Um, I think, yeah, apples and oranges. And I basically had the kids putting as they were, typical putting, but putting with the fruits. And they were so determined to be able to putt as well with fruit with the golf ball. And they, you know, it's those things, you know, it's giving them a goal in mind, like say, hey, listen, um, I, build, I communicate a lot with the parents and I'll give them like practice plans and say, hey, you know, I encourage your child, whether it's at home or whatnot, let's, you know, let's try and putt 50 six-footers, try and make X amount this week and then get it better. Um, I reward the kids. Candy used to be a big thing. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? Most of these kids don't even have golf balls in their golf bag. I'm like, oh, you guys have golf balls and tees? And they're like, no. So now I reward them with golf balls. And I give them, like, colored golf balls, whatever kind that will get them motivated. So then they have their own golf balls. So then when it's time to come to practice, they grab their putter right away and their own golf ball. And they love sharing the, oh, I got a SpongeBob golf ball. I got a Hulk. I mean, those things are exciting, and they love showing stuff off. Um, you know, I, I let them hit water balloons. Um, I, I make these weird targets for them to challenge them with different shots. It's just you got to be creative. If you keep having them hit, oh, hit this target every single time, or you just use this club, like, I want my kids to try and hook a ball and, and try and do a punch shot with a pitching wedge. I mean, just to feel a little creativity and to see what they're capable of is huge because then they're like, Coach, Coach Eva, look what I just did. I did it, and, and nobody else has done it. And, you know, that's, that's what I love giving these kids is that opportunity to succeed. Eva, I want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about where you're at now at Medina. They've got three courses there on the property. It's it's played host to a Ryder Cup. It's played host to three U.S. Opens, two PGA Championships, one U.S. Senior Open, and three Western Opens, which, oh, by the way, back in the day used to be a major. Talk about what it's like teaching there. Well, when I first started <clears throat> two seasons ago, um, I went through, you know, the front gate and everything, drove through it, and I was just, Speechless. I was speechless of the clubhouse, just the surrounding area. I felt that I was in tradition. I felt that I was a part of something really special. Um, you know, you just kind of, when you go into those places, every single day, it, it is always exciting driving through the gate. Always exciting. Um, I, 
we keep it very traditional there as well for, you know, exposing the the background and what Medina has been built upon. And that's huge. Um, I mean, I, I love it. I love walking through the hallways and seeing the, you know, uh, replica trophies of all the tournaments that were there and seeing the winners and, you know, just seeing the tradition. It's, it's something really special. And a lot of clubs don't have that opportunity. You know, they, they haven't had the opportunities we have. So I'm, I'm definitely, you know, lucky to, to go through those gates every day and be a part of a, a tradition. With it being such a historic golf course, what are some of those legendary stories that people have shared with you so far that have really struck you and that maybe you'd like to tell other people about? Well, one, the membership is a very welcoming membership. I absolutely love these members. They are very down-to-earth. They, you know what? Story-wise, I haven't gotten into the stories much with them besides people showing me pictures of what courses were like before they were renovated. You know, Course 3 took down hundreds, maybe thousands of trees in the renovations and then seeing the pictures of what it was. And, you know, we just did a a 2020 Medina, you know, uh, renovation that was $50-plus million, and it's just been a to see the the changes and differences of this. But, I mean, where the teaching side was and where it is now, the members are ecstatic about it. And I think that's my biggest thing is, is knowing that what me and the other golf instructors are doing for Medina is taking this membership to another level that they've never experienced before. Um, and that's huge. Eva, I want to get your thoughts on the growth of women's golf. We've got the LPGA Tour. It's been doing really well over the last few years. We had a great Solheim Cup match that we saw just a couple of weeks ago. The Symmetra Tour is developing great new talent. We've got the LPGA Legends Tour now going strong. The Augusta National Women's Amateur event was fantastic earlier this year. Talk about the state of women's golf. I think it's, you know what, I my opinion behind this, I think it kind of goes up and down. It's like a roller roller coaster. And I don't know if it depends on, you know, the players that are there and then it changes and then the players are, you know, not as good and then they are good and then they're not as good, but then they, uh, like amazing players, you know, like Lydia Ko and then the stuff Annika has done. But what I would like to see and would believe that it could change the growth for the LPGA if especially, is I think they should do match play tournaments. I think they should play more team really? events because it, it's, it's more, it's exciting. I think they should have whether or not they pick teams or they pick, you know, so many tournaments. And I don't know if it's based on rankings or whatnot, but I think there should be more team events. I, it was just so exciting way to see the Solheim Cup, but look at the attendance that comes to those tournaments. And look at the PGA Junior League. It's all about being a team. You have a team. And I think for women, I think it's really exciting to see women dominate together, not against each other. 
So that is my opinion. Um, you know, that's just kind of been on my mind uh, for the last year is thinking how, you know, doing more team matches, would that grow the game more? I mean, the Solheim Cup is super successful, so why not do things like that more? I mean, college tournaments are now doing yeah. math plays. Those are team events. I mean, I don't know. So it seems like what you're saying is what we need is a version of the President's Cup over on the LPGA Tour. We've got the Solheim Cup, which is sort of like the Ryder Cup version, right, on the on the LPGA Tour. But it seems like maybe what we need is to develop something like the President's Cup so we can sort of keep those team things going. Yeah, absolutely. The First Lady tournament? Hey. There you go. Did go. we have this on the like radio, it. right? The First Lady event? <laughs> I like it. I love it. I think that All would right. be a great idea. I do as well. Eva, just a couple of more before I let you go. And, and one of the themes of tonight's show is here we are. It's uh, getting into fall and winter time. Temperatures are going to start getting cold. I'm sure it's getting cold up where you are near Chicago. It's starting to get a little colder down here in Atlanta. So for those of us that, that want to continue to play in, in the cold weather, what, is some of the, uh, what are some of the tips that you give to the membership that want to do that? And when it does get too darn cold to get out there, what are some things that we can do over the winter so that our games aren't completely rusted over when spring comes? Well, I'm a Floridian and I run from cold, so it's so hard. <laughs> I still wear a jacket when it's 75 outside and people are like, Eva, like something's wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah, something is wrong with me. It's too cold. So, I mean, <laughs> I've learned to properly layer and you have to get an unbelievable base layer. One, because if you have jackets, you're not going to really be able to swing. Find gloves. You know, wear, wear your winter gloves because you know when your hands are frozen and you hit that shot and it may not be good, you feel like your, your fingers are going to fall off. Um, and, <laughs> or just go into simulators. Nowadays, the, you know, there are simulators everywhere. Um, and, and go play golf in the simulators. But I highly encourage getting some type of putting training aid that you have in your home and putt. There's so many online you can find putting um, practice plans, whether or not you do it every day or every other day where you challenge yourself with that. And that's something that I'm, you know, offering to some of the members is I'm working with a, a putting um, mat company and, They've been really generous, and I'm trying to see, you know, hey, if, if you get one of these maps, I will help you put an entire practice plan together, and I will want to see if truly how developmental they get over the wintertime in just putting because it's a, it's a movement, but we, get, we stray away from that in the wintertime because um, you're trying to get your last shots in with your driver. Um, I would say work on putting movement patterns. A lot of people start to focus more on what the golf ball does rather than what your body's doing, whether or not you're swinging weighted club or a speed stick or something. Go into your garage, go into your bedroom and just swing, feel movement and, you know, exercising, do functional movement training. I mean, if you don't swing, but you at least do movements relevant to a golf swing, it your muscle memory will definitely stay there in the wintertime, even if you haven't hit a golf ball. It will take you one or two practice sessions. 
before you start hitting great shots. And that's something that I've noticed for people in the winter, if they do continuously do movement patterns relative to the golf swing at the gym, it's like they haven't even stopped golfing. Eva, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, so please feel free. Anybody have questions or would like to talk, email me. My email is erogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, at medinacc.org. You can also... You can also find me on Instagram at Eva underscore Rogers Golf. I'm on Facebook. You can type type me in at Eva Rogers as well. So um, honestly, I just Google and you'll probably see me. Well, Eva, it sure has been a hoot having you as part of the show tonight. I hope you'll come back and join me sometime. A lot more things I'd love to get into with you, things going on up there at Medina, more playing lessons and the things that you're teaching with your students and your junior, your junior players as well and thoughts about what's going on in the game. But uh, I hope you'll come back and join me. Absolutely, Chris. It was such a pleasure, and thank you so much. Thanks, Eva. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to us catching up again soon. Absolutely, Chris. It was such a pleasure, and thank you so much. That's Eva Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, and Eva underscore Rogers Golf on Instagram. Follow her. Keep up to date with all the great things she's doing. Looking forward to get her back on the show. Like I said, talk about more of the golf lessons that uh, that we didn't get an opportunity to talk to about tonight. Hear more about the great history and everything going on up there at Medina. She's a, an up-and-comer, folks, and uh, just a joy. That was That was absolutely fantastic. So please stay up to date with her, and we'll get her back on the show again real soon. Before I get to my next guest, Brian Jacobs, be sure to check out our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit a Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Go online and start participating in their demo program. Get an iron from either their Fort Worth, PTX, new PTX Pro, or Edge irons, and go out on the range and compare them to whatever it is you've got. All Ben Hogan irons are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory, so no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build those clubs to your specifications and, best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons and wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, accessories, and their new GS53 driver and fairway woods, which are fantastic. Check them out and go out on the range and hit them. I'm telling you, you're going to love them. They are available online at BenHoganGolf.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back in making his seventh appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate and then his Master's of Education from State University of New York at Brockport. He became a PGA Assistant Director of Instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the Director of Golf Instruction and a Hank Haney Certified Instructor at Irondequoit Country Club in Rochester. 2014, he became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel Academy. 
In 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridgemont Country Club, also in Rochester. I've got my Brian Jacobs golf hoodie on out of my respect and appreciation for Brian for what he's done for this show and what he's doing for the game of golf. And very excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thank you. Seven times. Wow. This is amazing. How about that? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Brian, before we get into all the golf stuff, you know I got to get your thoughts on your Buffalo Bills. I was surprised that they lost on Sunday to the Eagles, particularly by as much as they did because the defense has been playing, you know, outstanding. How are you feeling about where they're at right now? I feel pretty good. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, a lot of our my friends were texting saying the process is going backwards, and I said, no, no, it's all learning. Um, you know, they just didn't play well. It's, it's, uh, I say this a lot to people that, you know, if we throw up a turd at work, nobody knows because, you know, we're not on TV. If they throw one up, it's everybody knows. Uh, and so um, it's the people in the area have been relatively calm, which is good. Um, they're trusting the staff and trusting the, the process, as McDermott, uh, Sean McDermott has said. And, and um, it takes time you know, to get, get, uh, teams where they should be. And, and that was a really good wake up call for them to, uh, um, do a little better job, you know, work a little harder, be more accountable. And, and, uh, I think they're going to come out on the other side, a better football team. Yeah. To that point, Brian, one of the things that I've been sort of surprised about is their lack of commitment to the run. You got a couple of really good running backs back there, and Frank Gore, who's got you know a hundred lives. That guy just keeps going and going. And Singletary has been dynamic in the backfield, and and I really hope they get to this kid, you know, Josh Allen, to get him to stop running because I'm afraid that guy's going to get hurt. We saw what happened to RG three and some of the other quarterbacks that like to run. Eventually, they get hurt. So, want to get your thoughts on their lack of commitment to the run and um, and really just the overall offense as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was a little shocked too. Uh, I really like their line. I still think they're not settled on on uh, um, the right tackle. You know, whether it's going to be Cody Ford or uh, Ty Nishke or um, you know, I think it's very interesting. They're still doing a rotation um, at tackle, so I, I think I don't know. I think they're still trying to figure it out. I think in, interior-wise with uh, uh, Spain and. And uh, Feliciano, I mean, those are those are big, nasty men on the inside there. And Mitch Morse, I mean, I think is arguably one of the top centers in the NFL. So I don't know why they don't dedicate themselves to the run a little bit more, but um, possibly a higher pay grade than mine. Um, but it's, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I enjoy watching them, you know, run the football. I think Devin Singletary is absolutely electric. Yes. And, and uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. So, I mean, I have a, yeah. uh, as you know, a pretty strong football background. And, and sometimes as a former player and a former coach, too, I look at it and say, I'm not sure if they're passing to run or running to run or running to pass or they're not going to run. Um, so I, I would like to see them, you know, run the ball. I just think good football teams, their defense travel well and, and, uh, and I think they run the football and they control it. They control the clock that way. So um, I think Singletary, anytime he touches the ball, it, it could be, it could be a home run, you know? Um, yeah. 
but I'm not, I'm not sure. I wish I knew. I, I, I do like their interior line a lot, though. I like Feliciano a lot. He's just a nasty guy. Um, and, and I think he really likes to mix it up, you know. So I, I think they're starting to develop a, a bit of an identity. But, but uh, <clears throat> I really think they have to settle on right tackle um, before all that good stuff happens. You mentioned Singletary, and, and that's a guy I can't believe isn't getting more touches because every time he touches the ball, it seems like something you know spectacular happens. And the few times they've thrown him a screen pass, uh, he, boy, he just looks special. Your thoughts on uh, why Singletary isn't getting into the mix more? Oh, he he's incredible. I mean, even seeing him in person in camp, and there's just a difference. You know, he's just different, and it's he's got everything. You know, except for being you know huge. Um, but he's a tough kid and, uh, I, I don't know if it was the hamstring injury or, you know, this last week, but it just seemed like they had a lot of planned runs with Josh Allen and I'm going, this is not college football. This guy's going to get killed. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, so up here they were, you know, the media was crying to send Dayball back to Alabama and, um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I know you're you're a Steelers fan. I don't know if you get that or not, but anytime there's any, you know, anything that doesn't seem to go the way the fans think it should go, it's why they're crying for jobs and booing them. And, yep. Um, Guilty. You know, and yeah. And, and, you know, I always sit there and kind of, I look at it as a student, just like I do with golf and I don't get angry. I just look at the game and say, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a chess match with a lot of punches in the, in the gut and the face, you know, and, and so the fits weren't real good on defense and they just got the poop knocked out of them. I mean, they just got manhandled at every level of the game, except their punter. That was about it. Every other <laughs> level of the game. They just got it's never a literally... good thing when you're praising the punter. No, no, I think it's, it's just really <laughs> interesting. I, I, we're going to, my daughter and I are actually, she uh, attended Penn state. So we, I got to see quite a few games there and, and uh, I actually had a sideline pass um, for a game versus Iowa. And it's interesting to watch um, when you've been around the pro game and been on the sideline of the pro game um, to watch the college kids, how slow they are compared to the college, you know, or compared to the pro game. And you just wonder, these guys are just incredible. The back ends of these defenses are so fast and so smart and, Oh, and they just get tortured, these corners. Um, you know, like Levi Wallace, I felt bad for him. There's just they're not gonna throw at Trey White. Um, you know, and they're gonna just pick on Levi Wallace and, and he's a great corner. Um, so it's just kinda interesting. We're gonna go to the Redskins game and I, I think they'll see a different football team. They just they gotta they gotta um fit their gap better and not get pushed around, you know, on the defensive line. Um and, you know, their second level, I think, is very, very good. Uh, their, their back seven are, are pretty good. So I think that uh, I think we'll see a different different team on Sunday. I hope anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Brian, let's switch gears a little bit. This is a golf show, so I guess we should talk a little golf. And this year you've had an opportunity to do some camps with Jason Day, swing coach and former caddy Colin Swatton. Talk about what it was like working alongside him and getting to understand the mindset of someone who gets to work with players at that level. Well, first of all, he's 
you know, Colin's a wonderful human being, um, you know, just as humble as the day is long and, and so knowledgeable. Um, doesn't have a bad thing to say about anybody or anything. And I try to get him to say stuff, but he won't. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but he's, uh, he's just wonderful and he sees things so well. Um, you know, and he's very, very, um, uh, I, the word is, I guess would be reserved, um, when it comes to data and, and other things like he will keep track man on, and, but he won't say a word unless he sees some concerns and, and, um, he's really got uh, a very good system, you know, on how to teach. It's, it's very defined, uh, you know, so he works out of four buckets. So tactical, technical, physical, and mental. And he's great in all of them, um, like we all are, uh, but we're not experts in everything. So uh, even for Jason, you know, he's had a team assembled and trusted people. And um, I just think it's wonderful just being around him. I'm blessed and very grateful to talk with him and and, uh, be able to pick his brain. I mean, it's just a great mind you know, coaching and he's, he's very, um, uh, very strong in his convictions, you know, which I like a lot and he can defend them, which I like a lot too, in, in a nice way. Um, we get a lot in our business where, uh, one's trying to, you know, outdo somebody else instead of saying, you know, there's more than one way to get this accomplished and we may not agree, but we can at least be respectful. And Colin's, extremely respectful. And Brian, when we watch guys like Jason Day play, they, those guys make it look so easy. Did Colin talk about the amount of work and effort that Jason had to put in in order to get himself to be number one in the world a couple of years ago? Yeah, I don't think people understand. Just, you know, it's, it's a job, number one, but it's not like a job like our job. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, where you can mail it in or, or uh, you know, some days or, it's it's he's eight in the morning till eight at night a lot of times without meals um as a coach you know they it's hot it's humid um and he's out there um and he's at jason's you know or at uh, like all the coaches are they're back in call um and if they say we're going to start at 6 a.m and we're going to work till 10 o'clock at night then that's what they do um and it's just part of the part of the game and, and, uh, um, just going, you know, understanding like the commitment that it takes not only as a coach, but also as a player to get to that level. It's not like I went, I played Monroe golf club today at Donald Ross and, you know, shot a couple under, you know, and, and the members are like, Oh, did you, are you like a playing professional? And I'm like, no, I'm a teaching professional. I go, I could never, I could never play on tour. Oh my God. I'm, you know, those guys would kill me. I'd have to be, I would have to be a plus five or a plus eight, you know, to go out there now. Um, you know, I just played great. You know, I putted great and hit a lot of greens and, and, uh, but that's their job. And, you know, and they understand everything that's going on. Their coaches do. Um, and they're always trying to find an edge. And at the same time, the player though is very fragile, um, which is all, it's very interesting to me. Um, you know, you look at, oh, just even on the range, you know, if somebody said, oh, well, your left knee look, looks like it's a little, you know, out of kilter or something, they'll, they'll go crazy, you know, 
or if they see something somebody's doing and they think it'll help them, they'll talk to their coach and say, hey, I think I should be doing that. And you're like, oh, boy, that's a road you don't want to go down, you know. And if they're all looking for an edge, just like the the weekend warrior is looking for an edge. Um, it's, it's very, very interesting. But it takes an incredible amount of work. And I'm not talking like eight hours a day for like one day. This is like weeks, like day after day after day. You know, same routine, um, eating, going to the gym, um, you know, playing nine holes, get your data, reassess, find a direction. If something looks out of whack, reassess. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Brian, you use TrackMan data to do swing analysis on your students, and you me- you mentioned that Colin does as well. There's a a lot of data there that many of us lay people like myself don't know what it all means. For those of us who are going to go get in a simulator at our local PGA Tour Superstore, come see you, and then we see all of those numbers. Take us through the data that you're looking at and how we will know if that data and those numbers are good or bad. Right. Well, I think in my experience, you know, there's so much, so many good things out there. Um, the simulators are great. Uh, first of all, simulators, most of them are infrared. So they're not as accurate as maybe Doppler would be. Um, but still, it's a great tool, um, you know, to be able to use that. And what people have to understand is that, you know, the, the ball flight reacts obviously to the club. Um, and the club is when it's swung a certain way, whether the face is open or closed, it's going to cause different numbers, different spin rates and, and different reactions, you know, on the simulator, on the, on the track man. So I try to simplify everything for people. We just want to know whether attack angle is up or down. Um, obviously with your, with your driver, you might have a tendency to be a little more up and with your irons, you should be more down. Um, you know, some people, you know, might have, you know, like a seven iron might be negative 4.5, you know, degrees angle of attack. And if somebody's negative 2.3, um, it's not the end of the world. It's, you know, these are algorithms that are set based on um, a smart guy's opinion, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, when you're talking about uh, simulators and talking about TrackMan and some of this other stuff, but it's they're useful tools so that people can see their path, um, whether it's too severe into out or too severe out to in. Um, they can start to look at optimization where um, it's interesting. I had a student last week and we were indoors um, and he was two or three degrees into out with a one degree closed club face with a six iron and, and he would hit it perfect. And it would be, you know, dot on line on a target line. Um, and he said, well, shouldn't I be getting zeros? And I said, well, let's try to get zeros and see what happens. And so he actually got zeros um, uh, in his path and in his face angle and he actually didn't hit it as good. So now we start to look at fitting and say, is it a lie angle issue? Is it, where is he hitting it on the face? And so you can get a, very overprocessed with it, or you can kind of take it and look at it and say, this is kind of my optimum. This is where I want to be at. And when you can start to take a look at the numbers and then get feel from it at the same time, it starts to become really valuable to the student. And that's kind of how we use it. 
Brian, it looks like starting this Friday, the weather up there is going to start looking a lot like winter. Highs in the 40s, lows in the 30s. So there might not be much left in the outdoor golf season. Maybe we can start getting indoors to practice a little bit in the simulators and and that sort of thing. What are some of the things that you recommend for your students and the rest of us to help keep our game sharp over the winter? Well, I I think, number one, it's important to to do some type of fitness, you know, some type of functional fitness. And in that, um, you know, you can do some overspeed training or some speed training where there's lots of, lots of stuff out there now with uh super speed and um oh gosh mach 3 and some of these other uh devices that you can use where you're actually swinging you know while you're while you're using the device and you're swinging um working on your speed and testing your speed out uh the other thing too is i think you know is, is get to a pga superstore get to a place where there's where you can hit balls inside and just go in there. Now, a lot of my students actually netting and, um, you know, has become very affordable. So I have students that convert one side of their garage into a, you know, a hitting area or a bay, which I think is awesome. And they'll have people over and, you know, sometimes my students will come over to one of the other students' garages and they'll just hit balls and drink beer and talk. And just like it was a Saturday morning and, you know, up here, more and more places are popping up that are, um, you know, four or five simulators in one area, and they have a, a pub, you know, and a gym in it, and and so it's becoming very, very popular up, up here, Chris. Where, um, you know, they kind of close them down in the summer, and then they open them up November first or October, sometimes first, and and uh, they run leagues, and I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, what I've seen in my twenty years of being a PGA is I, I started teaching in a 10 by 10 net, you know, uh, with a mat. And now I've got uh Trackman Bay and, and then in the, one side of the city and then the other side of the city, we've got a golf sound simulator that has a portable deck, it, you know, it moves up and down for undulating lies and you can stream all your numbers into your phone. And I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing what's happening, but I, I would say, you know, get to the gym, um, work on your speed, work on your flexibility. Um, and then if you can get out and get into a simulator, hit balls. Brian, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online on your website and over social media as well. Sure. Website is brianjacobsgolf.com. And, uh, if you want to ask any questions, I always answer. So, uh, you can just use the contact form and Twitter and Instagram or at Brian Jacobs Golf. Brian, thanks for coming back on this show. I really appreciate you. Like I say, seven times. That's amazing. I can't thank you enough for, for all the things that you've done for the show, for your partnership, and more importantly, your friendship. You're outstanding, my friend. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I enjoy our friendship as well. And if there's any way I can be any service to you or your listeners, uh, just let me know. I'm happy to help. I appreciate you, my friend. Take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. You too. Go Bills and Steelers. <laughs> I appreciate that, my friend. Take care. We'll catch up soon. You too. That's a great Brian Jacobs. BrianJacobsGolf.com. And check him out on uh, social media as well, Twitter, Instagram. Give him a follow there. On his website, he's got a lot of great videos, so there's some instruction you can go out there and check out. So uh, I highly encourage you to do that. And 
With respect to the Buffalo Bills, I've, uh, you know, as a Steeler fan, I'm hanging on, right? Three and four. But if there's a uh, another bandwagon I would jump on with uh, my friends Angelo Kane and Cindy Miller and her husband Alan, it'd be the Buffalo Bills. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter, at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are absolutely amazing and a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts. They're a great on-course training aid as well because really they help you stay positive by putting positive and happy images in your mind. I mean, every time you walk back to your golf bag and you see the head covers, you're going to smile. See why I say that and why I tell you they're absolutely, I mean, quality is outstanding of the head covers and the putter covers as well. So you're going to get positive image. You're going to get a quality head cover and a putter cover. Go online to PositiveVibesGolf.com and follow them on Twitter at PVibesGolf. This segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under, Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, and that's a whole nother story. And your girlfriend and or wife is going to love the side effects, a visually enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market and use coupon code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. Now back with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom is also a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. He's headed your way, Naples, Florida, for his winter residency November 13th. You can visit him there at Esplanade Golf and Country Club. So start signing up now for golf lessons on his website, TomPatry.com. And that's P-A-T-R-I, TomPatry.com. You can also sign up and subscribe to his newsletter on there as well. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. He's been made better, stronger, and faster after some recent surgeries. But, you know, we'll see if it's better or worse now, right? Because he can actually see what he's doing now. But it's always a privilege to have Tom as part of the show. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Chrissy boy! What's up, my man? <laughs> you tell me, TP, you've gone under the knife a couple of times lately. How is everything? I, 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 I heard that little snide remark about my eyes. I got it. You know, we're going we're gonna to set our fresh right here tonight. We're going right, coming at me right out of the box. Are you okay? That's fine. That's okay. That's okay. I, I, I know where you're coming from. Nice job by your Steelers against a... Those really, really difficult Miami Dolphins, and they looked really tremendous. You know, it was just awesome, awesome. <laughs> you you want to go there? So you you want to talk about your Giants? Come on, go ahead. Let's talk about your Giants. I, I have enough pain this week, my man. I have enough knives in me this week. Don't you don't have to put another one in me. Okay? Come on. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, so I'm uh, so I'm on the tail end here, Chrissy. I've had the the knee was about seven days ago. The first eye was uh, was was last week as well, and the, and the next eye is the day after tomorrow. So, I uh, I got a text from one of my students say that they, I I would be the first sixty year old bionic golf pro this you know after after this week. So I'm, I'm ready to work. 
Yeah, so the question is, how'd you deal with it all summer? I know you you had the problem with the knee and that was impeding your swing and then you know the issue with the eyes. How did you deal? The knee the knee was uh you know, Chris, it's funny, the only time the knee really bothered me was was on stairs. It it really never bothered me on the golf course, which which they don't seem to understand really, you know, from the twerking of a golf swing. It didn't really bother me at all. It really bothered me. It didn't even bother me up and down gradual hills, but up and down stairs really hurt a lot. Um, so we just did it. was a little meniscus tear. They did a quick scope. It wasn't that big. It, the, the harder thing is the rehab. I mean, it, it probably the scar tissue and breaking that up and getting the flexibility and the strength around the, around the area back. Um, my man Dan Villanova at the Pro Sports Therapy in Scarsdale, New York, has been working my butt off. I was over there for two hours today. I'm back over there two hours tomorrow morning again. Uh, he's barely been doing a great job, and I really appreciate the people over there. They deal with a lot of the hockey players and football players and baseball players here in the New York area, and they do a great job, and they've been really good to me, so I really appreciate their help. And uh, Dr. Steve Nichols, who's a former team doctor for the New York Jets, did the knee, and he did a wonderful job. He's an old friend and a student from Westchester Country Club, but I appreciate everything Steve did. And then uh, my eye surgeon, actually the kid who <laughs> – I shouldn't say kid. He's not a kid anymore, but the fellow who's operating on my eyes, was a 19-year-old student of mine back in my Westchester days. So we've come full circle here. And he, uh, wow. I've had some, I've had some previous eye problems, and uh, and we weren't really sure about the complexity of the surgery. And my left eye has already come out at 2040, so it's a, a vast improvement. It looks like I'll be able. Well, if everything goes well, I shouldn't even say this is going to jinx myself. But if everything goes well, I'll be playing golf in the future without glasses on, which is my kind of my dream. So. Fingers crossed for the wow. first, and we're off the first. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. So here we go. Before we get into all the golf stuff and all the news of the day, Tom, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to a couple of your students. Jack the Whack won again, and your doc's son is through to the second stage of Corn Ferry Tour qualifying. So give a shout out to those guys. Yeah, Doc Doc Nicholas, who did my uh, did my knee, his son James Nicholas, who works with Gary Weir over the director of instruction over at Westchester Country Club, and Gary's done a great job with James. Uh, James played at Yale, and actually, if I'm not speaking out of school, I think James has seen year this past year at Yale had the second lowest scoring average in the country, 67.5, and he's made it through the first stage of both Corn Ferry and the first stage of Europe, but because of conflicts in the second stage, he had to pick one or the other, so he's going to Corn. Corn Ferry second stage. Well, I, I wish uh, Gary Weir as the coach and James Nicholas as the student the uh, best of luck in that second stage. And then Jack the Whack, Jack the Whack, freshman in high school, last week in uh, 45 degrees rain and uh, 30 mile an hour winds on the east end of Long Island in the conference championships qualifying for the county championships uh, in really bad weather conditions. Shot 79 and got into a three way playoff with a junior and a senior and won the playoff on the first hole. And I he called me on the phone from the car going home with his dad. And I, I thought he was so excited on the on the phone he might pee his pants, but uh, it was it was pretty pretty fun. And the, and he's he's continues to improve and enjoy the game. And it's just it's just, it's just fun when a junior player has some successes. And uh, it's it's been fun to watch the young man grow up. He's just a wonderful young kid. That's awesome. Good for him. TP, let's talk about some of the news of the day. And we saw Tiger get his uh, 82nd win. And we know what it means historically. 
What do you think it means for him for when the season really gets started in January? This wraparound season is kind of silly, and, and, and you know I don't get it and why we're doing it. But talk about for him in the, in the 2020 season and beyond, what this win and now being at 82, looking for 83, how that launches him into the new season. Well, first of all, Christian, every time we, we get this guy dead and buried in his coffin, he kicks the lid off and he comes back out again and, and just makes us all look like fools. I mean, just the cat has nine lives for sure, doesn't he? And I mean, I don't know how many he's used up so far, but uh, it, it's incredible, you know, what this person's body has been through, what he's been through mentally, physically, emotionally, and what he continues to do. And, and just, I mean, let's go back to Thursday. And starting out bogey, 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 and shooting 64. I mean, let's just start there. And then tack on 64, behind it, 66 and 68, with Hideki breathing down his throat, uh, you know, in a very world-class field. Um, and having to play five days straight, not four days, with the rain out. I mean, that's an amazing win. Uh, it's an amazing win at 43 years old. It's an amazing win at 23 years old. Uh, and I think that now that we realize you know, we, we kind of wondered last year if he won the Masters why he played so poorly the second half of the year. But now we know that the knee was faulty, and it seems to be healthy. We we never we always worry about his health. Um, but if he stays healthy, and that's that is the hundred thousand dollar question, Chris. I think for sure, if he stays healthy, coming out of the box with this win, man, I tell you what, I mean, we've seen some pretty incredible things by forty year olds in this game with with them with them elongating their careers, but. If he stays healthy, this could be a really interesting year. I mean, uh, really interesting. I mean, I, I, if he stays healthy, I think he'll win. I, I would say he wins two more times this year. And don't ask me where. And don't ask, ask me if it's a major, if it's Augusta. I don't know that, obviously. Who does? But if he stays healthy, I, it wouldn't be surprised if he if he wins three times this year. Thomas, we look ahead to the President's Cup. Everyone's talking about, you know, should Tiger pick himself to be a playing captain? And I sort of look at it as the approach. Is there a reason why he shouldn't play? So I'll say this, Chris. If 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 I'm the captain and you're my vice captain, and we look at each other, we go, we, "We're going to pick Tiger. Are we going to pick Tiger Woods right now? Uh, you damn right, I'm going to pick Tiger Woods right now." I mean, and I and I understand the other argument. His record in the Ryder Cup, his res, record in record in the President Cup, isn't that good? But would right. you leave him off the team? I mean, would you leave him off the team? I mean. You know, if, you, if you're going to put me out in, in a four-ball or a foursomes match and you say Tiger's going to be a part, I'm going to go, okay, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. That, that works for me. I mean, I, I think you're right, TB. I don't understand. Like, how do you not pick him? Right? How do you not put him out there? I mean, he, I think he's up to number six in the world right now, so that tells you he's still one of the best players in the world, and he's certainly one of the best players in the U.S. How do you not put, put him out there? I mean, I know – I mean, the opposite side of the coin is his all-time record in the Ryder Cup is only – 13, 17, and three. So he's not a great, you know, team player in that, in those sort of events, but I just don't, you know, if I wouldn't want to make that decision to say, I'm not putting Tiger Woods out there. I think you got to play him. I think the other thing we overlook, and I think it's political in some respects, but I mean, it's it's reality. Do you think TV wants him to play? (laughs) You think, yeah. You think for the ratings they want they want him on the golf course or sitting in a golf cart? What do you think? What do you think they want? So I, and you think yeah. if you don't think that pressure isn't applied or isn't real pressure for the media, say listen, we, we need him on the golf course. It's going to drive ratings through the roof right now. Um, you know, I got into a really interesting uh, argument discussion on the phone today with one of my students, a youngster, who who also said, oh, "I'm going to play the devil's advocate here." 
well, the U.S. team is going to run away with this. On paper, it's not, it's not even going to be a contest. And, you know, I, the other thing that scares me, can you imagine the storyline? Tiger's coming off a win. He's now sixth in the world. He's healthy. He picks himself to play. They've got a stacked team, and they lose. How how would that how would that how would that go? I mean, how would that storyline? So right. I think we should. I don't think we should start counting our chickens here before they hatch. Because the last I looked, the other team looks pretty darn good too. You know, and I know they I know historically they're not very good, but you know maybe odds are in their favor now because they haven't won. But uh, I wouldn't get too complacent about chalking up the victory yet either. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you lose, right? You you take a look at it and you, and you think to yourselves, oh, you know, we're we're better than these guys on paper. We got the best players in the world. We'll go down there. We'll have a few laughs. We'll have some fun. We'll have a couple of parties. We'll play some golf and we'll walk away with the President's Cup. That's how you lose. Tom, the other guy sitting there at 82 wins is Sam Sneed. And most of us have only seen Sam in videos, but his swing was a thing of beauty. Talk about how great Sam Snead's swing was and how great a player he was. Because I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. I, I don't, have I ever told you that I caddy for Sam Snead twice? No. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll give you the quick synopsis. I, I, my junior and senior year at Florida Southern, um, the Boys Club of Lakeland, Florida, ran a benefit exhibition uh, and it was Sam Snead and Andy Bean. And Andy Bean was from Lakeland, and in 1881, Bean was one of the better players in the world. And I played a lot of golf with Andy my last two years at Florida Southern. So when this exhibition came up or came to be, uh, Bean asked myself and one of my teammates to caddy in the exhibition. And the other kid who caddy was on my, one of my teammates, he was from Lakeland, and he and Andy were friends, so he got Andy's bag. And, and I was stuck with poor old Sam Snead's bag. Um, wow. And Snead was, I think Snead was, if I'm if I'm correct, Chris, you can check me at 1881. I think he was 62 and 63 years old. Um, so I got, the, you know, in two consecutive years, I got to carry the bag for 18 holes. And um, uh, Sam was not a very uh, engaging human being, not a very kind human being, but he was a incredibly talented human being. And in both cases, it was four hours of just absolute um you know, little Tommy Patrick being really tuned in for four straight hours. I mean, hyper tuned into what was going on. And uh, it was something I can, I can recall almost every shot he hit for both years on the golf course. And uh, it was, it was a special, you know, two day occurrence over those two years. Um, an amazing, I mean, 62 and 63, he was, I mean, if you didn't know he was 62 or 63, you think he was 35 and 36. He was amazingly long still. Still playing with a Wilson Stratoblock driver at the time and a bought you know bought a golf ball. Um, you know he hit and literally I can remember he hit one bad shot in the 36 holes. I watched him. He hit one poor drive the first the first day on the first year, um, and that was the only bad shot he hit. Every other shot came out of the dead center of the club face. Um, an amazing amazing talent. A, a guy that just. Uh, it looked like he grew up with, you know, he was born with a golf club in his hands and it, it made it look incredibly, you know, we talk about Freddie today swinging at it, you know, that way maybe in our generation or you can pick some Payne Stewart maybe, or, you know, we can, we can go down a lot of lists of people who had beautifully rhythmic golf swings. But, and I, you know, I, as you know, I spent a lot of time with Freddie in my life, but uh, I'd be hard pressed to think that anybody swung the club any better than Sam Snead did. And Tom, to your point, I mean, this guy was finishing top five in majors 
into his 60s. I mean, he did so in the uh, mid-70s at the PGA Championship. The guy was incredible. If I'm not mistaken, and you can check me, Chris, did he win Greensboro in his 50s? Yeah, 52. He, uh, I think he made a run at the PGA Championship at in Palm Beach Gardens when Nicholas won. I think he finished in the top five in that, in that major, if I'm not mistaken, also in his 50s. Um, I mean, you know, he, the, the two rounds I caddied for him, we, we played a long golf course uh, in, in, in pretty windy conditions. And he was, six, like I said, 62 and 63, and he shot 70 and 68. Uh, and, he, and he, you know... And I, no disrespect, but he couldn't put it in the ocean. I mean, he could be put it like Helen Keller, but um, he hit it close every hole, it seemed like, and, and didn't make anything. Um, the quality of strikes were just, you know, absolutely incredibly pure every time. The ball was compressed and plated, and, and he could hit it high, he could hit it low, he could hit it right to left, he could hit it left to right. Uh, it was it was on command. Um, he was an amazing talent, Chris, just an absolutely amazing talent. 82 wins. Uh, and, and, and listen, hats off to Tiger. 82 wins at 43 years old. I mean, how do you win 82 golf tournaments on the PGA Tour? I mean, right. you know, it's, it's just, I mean, you know, it's just absolutely incredible. Incredible number. As I look up Sam Snead's record here, what year was it that, uh, that you caddied for him in those tournaments? Uh, I, I, I caddied for him in, in, one time in 1980 and one time in 1981. So he would have been 68 and 69 years old. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, think about that. How well he was playing at that age. He shot 70 and 68 and hit it. I mean, you know, I mean, back then nobody hit it 300 yards. I mean, if, you, if a guy hit it 300 yards back then, he was a freak. Um, and he was hitting it. I, 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 you know, I, I played the same golf course. It was a home golf course in college. So I would say he hit it between 265 and 275. Um, wow. With that equipment and that golf ball at 68. Yeah. That, Amazing. Right. So, I mean, he was just, you know, it, he was just, uh, he was a freak show, an absolute freak show. So it was pretty special, pretty special two days. Tom, I want to switch gears a little bit to the uh, CBS announcement this week that the contracts of Gary McCord and Peter Costas are not being renewed. So they essentially fired those guys. And, and that, that announcement seemed to come from out of nowhere. And I know those are some guys that, uh, that you know. What are your thoughts on uh, those moves? Yeah, I, I, know Peter, I know Peter pretty well. Um, I don't know Gary that well. I, I know him, I've met him a few times. Um, you know, the initial – I heard uh, Gary McCord do a, a, a broadcast on uh, PJ Tour Radio yesterday and talking about some of the circumstances. He had to be kind of guarded because he's still under contract till. I think December 31st, and they owe him some money, so he couldn't really. He was pretty guarded in his, in his, his as guarded as Gary McCord can be in his responses. But um, it sounded like some of the reasons he was given, or he alluded to, and didn't say this outright, but it sounded like they wanted to get younger in their broadcast. Uh, and then today they announced that they hired Davis Love as in one of the spots. So I don't know if hiring Davis Love is getting younger necessarily. So I'm not sure if he was given. Um, the straight scoop about why they were doing things or, and you know, in these kind of things, Chris, I don't think everyone really knows the truth, what really happens behind the scenes, corporate wise, uh, you know, and I understand that after 34 years, maybe you want to change it up. You maybe want to get fresh. You maybe want to do something different, but um, I, I always felt like, and I, I don't want to 
piss anybody off at NBC or ABC, but I always thought the CBS team was very, very strong top to bottom. Um, and not, and not, again, not that I don't like NBC or ABC, because I do, but, I mean, I thought the CBS team was particularly strong and particularly knowledgeable, and I thought those guys, um, you know, we kind of grew up listening to those guys, and probably, you know, we've got short memories. A year from now, we won't even, we won't even care who's next, and, and, and Davis is obviously going to be one of them, and, and Davis is, I consider Davis a friend and a, and a really good guy, and I don't know what his broadcast skills are like. They're, they're, they're obviously untested, but... Um, it came as a shock to me too. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody probably did. It sounds like Costas and McCord didn't see it coming. Um, and they also had Bill McAtee go, but nobody's talking about that. So they really, oh, you know, with the exception of Nance, you know, the kind of cleaning house a little bit there, you know? Um, so, you know, we'll see, but it, it's definitely going to make CBS appear very different this year. Um, it's going to be a very, I'm very anxious to see how it looks on air and what, what they come up with. But, uh, you know, I, again, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get the reason. If, if going young is the reason, I'm not sure if that's a great reason. Yeah, it makes no sense to me, TP. Because I, you know, I think you can broadcast forever as long as your voice is good. You can continue to broadcast, and and you know, all of those guys are tremendous talents, and including Bill McAtee. So, and I don't think any of those guys have, you know, sort of quote unquote lost a step. So, I hope this isn't going younger just for the sake of going younger. Yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're putting a lot of a lot of years of knowledge and a lot of years of relationship on the sideline there. So, you know, listen, I, I wish Gary McCord and, and Peter Costas and Bill McAtee only the best. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure they're not going to miss any meals or anything. Um, I'm anxious to see who they replace them with and, and what the broadcast really looks like. But, you know, it's, you know, time marches on, you know, I mean, it's at some point you're going to fire me too, Chris. So it's, you know, it'll happen too. <laughs> When we need to go younger, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to call somebody else and go a different direction. Definitely get definitely get younger than me. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Tom, you recently went back to Westchester Country Club, a place where you spent 11 years of your career, and, and a, of course, it's obviously steeped in a lot of history. The West uh, Westchester Classic played there for years. It's it's now the Northern Trust. People like Jackie Gleason, Carol Burnett, Gene Tunney, Ed Sullivan were all members there. Talk about that course and what it was like going back. I get back here, you know, at least once a year, Chris. Uh, ben Hoffman, who's now the director of golf, is a, a very dear friend of mine. Um, actually, when I was at Westchester, Ben was a, was one of my range kids. So it's it's really special to me that he's come so far as a PGA member. He's so well respected. He's a fine player and a fine teacher, and he's doing a hell of a job there. I mean, he really is doing a hell of a job. I worked for John Kennedy there for my 11 years. John was there for 27 years. And actually, I spent yesterday morning with John Kennedy uh, taking a walk along a river in Trumbull, Connecticut, reminiscing. So it was kind of a fun day, too. But I, my time at Westchester was very special, uh, Chris. It was really when I cut my teeth as a teacher more, more so than any other time in my career. And the exposure to the Buick Classic then was, uh, was instrumental. I mean, the years I was there, the Buick was generally the event most years before the U.S. Open. Um, and so, you know, all the guys came in and used it as a warm-up site, and they're the best teachers in the world came in, and I had exposure to them for those 11 years. So it was, it was invaluable to me. I mean, I couldn't uh, ever repay Westchester, its membership, John Kennedy, or or all the professionals I worked alongside during those years, my all the assistants and and all the teachers that worked on my staff during those years as director of instruction. It was a, 
an incredibly uh, rich time in my life. And uh, when I go back there now and and uh, revisit, um, I run into so many people still there that I knew during my time. We look a little older. We look a little heavier in some cases and a little grayer. Um, but a lot of those folks are still there, and it's a very, very special place to me. It, it's a uh, it's probably the most special place in the planet to me as far as golf is concerned for that reason. Tom, I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight, and I want to start with putting. So many of us are anxious, right? All, all we weekend hackers, right? We're anxious to watch the ball roll into the hole, and we move our heads, we open up the blade, and we end up missing the putt to the right. How can we do a better job of holding our head still so we can make more putts? Well, first thing is this. Let's do this. For everybody listening out there tonight, if you will send me an email after this broadcast is over at tpatry at mindspring.com, tpatry at mindspring.com, I will send everybody a 30-second putting clip that will change their putting life, okay? Ooh. Anybody who emails from this show tonight, I will send them a 30-second putting clip. If they watch this putting clip and it isn't clear what's going on in a positive nature in this putting clip, then you need the eye surgery I just had to help you. <laughs> okay, so so in your and, and Chris, you hit it right the nail right on the head. So so much about putting is speed control, and so much about speed control is quality of contact. And if you can't contact the ball solidly and precisely each time, you can't in time calibrate the speed. So the anxiety factor causes people to peek a little early, move their head or move their body, and as soon as they do that, they they make poor contact. They don't make center face contact, so they can't calibrate speed over time. The brain doesn't get good feedback and it does funny things with your hand and you go right down the old crapper. So I always tell people, you got to just remember something really simple. You got to keep the coconut quiet. So the coconut has to stay still a full two seconds after you've struck the golf ball. So if you can keep your head still, and I don't think that's a big request, two seconds after you feel contact, your contact quality will improve and you'll be able to calibrate speed control over time. Uh, the putting clip that I'm going to send everybody is very, very clear, and it's not an exaggeration at all. People look at it sometimes, they go, isn't that exaggerated how long that person kept their head still? And I say, no, that's not exaggerated at all. And the, and the putting clip is of a 30-footer uh, being struck three different times by the same player, um, and, and the person happens to be a pretty good putter, and it's really clear that this person is doing a really good job in keeping their body and their head really still post-impact. Tom, we've been talking a lot tonight about TrackMan, and I know that's something that you've recently started to incorporate into your lessons. You know, there's so much data. Are there certain numbers that you're looking at and you're focused on that we should be aware of and that we should be looking at, and which ones are meaningful for you? Well, let's let's talk about the recreational player, not the tour player, Chris, because that's who we're trying to appeal to here tonight. So I I... Obviously, TrackMan can quantify an awful lot of data in a split second. So I generally, right now, have gotten to the point where, in most cases, I have face and path up, I have angle of attack up, I have smash factor up, I have ball speed up, um, and I have low point of the golf swing up. So somewhere between two and six at the most pieces of data is all you'll ever see. And in a lot of cases, Chris, when I have TrackMan up, there's a lot of lessons where I'll put one piece, one, one data tile up only. And I'll say, okay, let's get better at doing this. Let's, if the guy has a bad path or, or his club face is wide open or, or radically closed, 
and we're doing something to just rectify that one condition, I'll put up one data tile only. So let's spend 15 to 20 minutes working on this one thing. Um, because when you get a lot of data tiles up there in front of them, they, they, no matter what you do and you, no matter how you try to quantify one issue, the eyes tend to drift. And they, what about, what about, what about, what about? And then you got too many things going on. So I resisted TrackMan for an awful long time for that very reason, because I thought people were misusing the tool or overusing the tool and overcomplicating the session. And one of the great things, and I'm, I'm very proud of myself in this respect, is um, the things that I thought happening in 99% of the cases have been quantified by TrackMan. It wasn't like I was teaching the wrong things all these years. So now all it does for me is it quantifies the number exactly to the student. I can explain it a little more precisely, and I can offer some 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 you know some remedies to to the issue and move it along just a little bit faster. Tom, before I let you go, when you talk about the best teachers in the world and those lists start to get put together, you are right at the top of that list, my friend. I don't know about well, that. I, I, you don't. I, I appreciate, that's, an, that's an awful nice thing to say. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily true, but uh, I appreciate that. I think uh, when I think about that phrase, the best teachers in the world, that's such a hard thing to quantify because I think there are. You know, people that appeal to people, and there are matches that are good, matches that are bad, and and, and my list is very short. I mean, if you if you poured some truth theorem down my throat and made me spit it up, I I mentioned a lot, the name Harmon a lot, you know, and, and all the Harmons a lot. You know, I'd mentioned Chuck Cook a lot. I you know, I, I I'd mentioned Jimmy McLean, uh, but but I'd also mentioned a lot of names probably you'd never even heard of uh, that people haven't heard of. And they go, who's that? I go, well, you need to go see that guy because he's pretty damn talented. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are flying under the radar that are not recognized because um, they're not social media people. They're not big promoters, but they're very talented. So I think we got to be very careful when we have these top 100 lists and top 25 lists and top 50 lists. Um, and, and listen, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done and I'm proud of my accomplishments, but there's a lot of people out there that are really, really talented. That young lady had on tonight sounds like she's doing a heck of a job at Medina, and and Brian certainly a wonderful teacher in his own right. So I mean, we're 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 pretty darn blessed in this industry. We have we have a pretty deep talent pool. Well, I couldn't agree with that statement more, but I'm sticking with what I said. You're right at the top of that list, my friend. Let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, and check out your website and follow you on social media as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, of course, yeah, obviously, TomPatry.com is the easiest place to find all my information on my website. And then you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn and, and two Facebook pages and, and, uh, and Instagram as well. Uh, and I'm at the Esplanade Golf and Country Club in North Naples, Florida. And my email address is tpatry at mind, M-I-N-D, mindspring, S-P-R-I-N-G dot com. And I certainly welcome any, uh, any questions. And if people want a piece of that putting film, just reference the show and just put in the subject line putting film and I'll send them that out, that, that clip out right away and it'll help them hit more solid putts. And for all the people out there listening, uh, Chris Mascara was a little too kind with his words to his, to his guests. And we, we all who come on, we all know each other. It's a very small community and we all appreciate what you do, Chris. Um, we overlook some of your shortcomings as a Red Sox fan and a Steeler fan. <laughs> we love you. We 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 truly love you very much. We love what you do. We love what you bring to the game, and uh, and we really appreciate our, our time with you. Well, I appreciate most of that, TP, and and go Red Sox, and and uh, I'm sure there are Yankee fans like you that uh, want to go back and remember the good old days. They can open up their Encyclopedia Britannica 
and go back and remember uh, when, when all those good days were. You're going to have to read about it historically because it was a long time ago, but I'm sure uh, they could go there. But I love you, man, and I can't thank you enough. You're not nice, Chris. I love you, buddy. Bye, pal. <laughs> See you, Tom. That's the great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I. He is absolutely fantastic. Go on his website, TomPatry.com, and take him up on those lessons. Tpatry at MindSpring.com and get those uh, putting tips. I'm sure they're going to be outstanding. I know I'm going to be asking him for it. So go online, check him out, send him that email, and let's, uh, let's help uh, improve your putting. All right, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again go out to Eva Rogers, Brian Jacobs, and Tom Patry for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net, to keep up to date with who are you know, coming on the show, what our guest schedule looks like. And speaking of that, scheduled to join me next week are my good friend Bob Friend Jr. It's always great having Bob here on the show and getting his insights. Former European Tour and now a fantastic broadcaster on the Golf Channel, Frank Nabilo, is going to be back with me. And then I'll get a long overdue return visit from one of the best equipment guys in the game, and that's Michael Verska. You can also stream us on great apps like Podbean, and we can't thank those guys enough. They're going to be featuring us on their app this week, so really appreciate their continued support. And if you love podcasts about any genre, go check out podbean.com because they've got a really uh, an array of great podcasts, like I say, across all different genres. Please also check us out on launchpaddm.com and click the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. You can also find the show on great sites like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audio Boom, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Player.fm, pretty much anywhere that uh, you're you're currently listening to podcasts, you're going to find us there. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook. Go on there. You'll look up uh, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro and give us a comment. Plus, if you've got a question for somebody that uh, you'd like me to get that to, right? Some of our previous guests, somebody, if you've gone out and look at our guest schedule, someone who's coming on, be glad to get that question on the air and answered for you. Folks, thank you again for choosing to continue to listen to this show and making us a part of your golfing content. We appreciate you so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.